Hello my lovelies and welcome to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy today's case. So today's case takes place on February 16th 2014 when 14-year-old Breck Bedner left his home for the last time. He was on his way to the home of an 18-year-old Louis Dane after they'd struck up a friendship whilst playing computer games online. The following morning, Essex police received a disturbing phone call that kick-started a police investigation. Before we get into the case, I just want to state that everything I talk about today is just information I have found online and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned. Today's episode does include mention of sexual assault, grooming and suicide and is a case surrounding a minor so if this is something that you are not comfortable listening to at the moment then please feel free to click out of this podcast. So let's begin. This is the murder of Breck Bedner. Breck Bedner was a 14-year-old school student at St Bade's School in Redhill, Surrey, and his family described him as a kind and gifted person. He was just loved by so many and did such amazing things. He was actually an active member of the Air Training Corps 135 Squadron, which was stationed in Redhill, and was also a regular in attendance with the St John Evangelist Church in Caterham, where his family lived. So the family had actually moved to England from the United States in 2000, but by 2006 his parents had divorced, leaving Breck living with his mother, 48-year-old Lorraine Lefave, 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 sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, and she was a teaching assistant and also had three other children. There was 12-year-old triplets, Carly, Chloe and Sebastian. So his mother, Lorraine, was born in the United States and his father, 49-year-old Barry Bedner, worked as an oil trader and shipping consultant and was actually believed to be a self-made millionaire. So unfortunately, like many young people, Breck struggled to make friends at school and would often enjoy playing online computer games, again, like many young teenagers, And this is where he formed several friendships. One of them was with a boy named Lewis Danes. However, Lewis was several years older and also from a, you could say, broken home. He was 16 years old when his parents got divorced and not shortly after, he moved into a flat in Essex which was owned by his grandmother. So Lewis had begun an online group, which soon became an exclusive six-person gaming club, which Breck was introduced to at a church youth group. Now, he had control over the server, you know, that the group used and had the power to kind of get rid of members if he wanted to. And he also oversaw the internet chat room in which the members could kind of communicate through voice-activated headphones using the software TeamSpeak. And Lewis would often boast to the members of his server, including Breck, that he could offer them computer technology jobs, you know, earning as much as £100,000 a year, so they wouldn't need to finish school, it'd be okay, he'd sort them out. 
and he'd actually told them that he had donated $2.5 million in Bitcoin to Syrian rebels fighting government forces. Which, I mean, he's 16 years old at this time, or is he, yeah, 16, 18? I think he was 18 when it happened. But he was still, like, young. Like, that's, I mean, I don't know how much 2.5 million Bitcoin is. I'm not really teched up on all that. But anyway... So soon after this, Breck's mother started to believe that Lewis was having a sort of ne negative influence on Breck because, you know, his personality was changing along with his kind of ideo ideologies and he even started refusing to attend church services. So it was very clear to Breck's mum that he was definitely changing and not in a good way. I mean, it, it can happen with teenagers, you know, especially when you're like 14, kind of getting up to 15, 16. I, I understand that you do change a little bit when you're a teenager, but that drastically, it just didn't really seem right. So in December 2013, one of Breck's relatives contacted Essex police to express concerns about online grooming. So his mother, Lorraine, had told the police that her son was involved with an online group and she believed that he was in danger. She'd already attempted to end the online relationship between Breck and Lewis, but, you know, you can't always control what teenagers do. I know, especially if your parent tells you at that age not to do something, you are more than likely going to find a way to do it. If it's, you know, even if it's in spite or whatever, you will just do what you want to do and... It's unfortunate because his mum was genuinely trying to help him. Um, but yeah, she couldn't control everything of what Breck was doing. So she kind of limited his access to electronic devices, added parental controls to kind of hopefully lessen the exposure to Lewis. But, you know, despite all of this and despite his mother's suspicions... Breck still remained in contact with Lewis, who soon decided to make arrangements for the two to meet in person. On February 16th, 2014, Breck left his mother's home and travelled by taxi to Lewis's flat at Rosebury Road, Grays, Essex. He told his mother that he would be staying with his father, Barry, whilst his father was told he would be staying with friends. So he obviously must have known that what he was doing probably wouldn't have gone down well with his mum. However, when Breck's mother contacted his father to kind of, you know, make sure that he had arrived there safely, she was told that he hadn't arrived. So she'd clocked it, she knew. And several hours later, Breck's siblings began to receive messages about their brother's death. And this bit is truly so horrendous and I feel so sorry for his siblings. So basically, there were photos of Breck that had been posted on social media that basically depicted his body. And it had also been shared on this kind of six-person gaming group that Lewis controlled. So, you know, like his brothers and sisters were like receiving messages from friends saying like, is it true? Is, is it true with your brother? You know, that's so sad. And they had like no idea what was going on. And I just cannot believe how traumatic that would be to find out that your brother has been killed, is no longer with you like that is horrific. Honestly, I don't even have the words for it. 
And it was around this time that police had arrived at the Bednar family home to tell his parents about his death. Now, it's unknown exactly what happened at Lewis's home between, you know, Breck arriving on Sunday evening and then 11am on Monday morning. And, I mean, what we do know is that there is a 999 call from Lewis to the emergency services. And I'm actually going to put the whole clip in it's about five or so minutes um it is maybe a little bit long and i'm going to cut out the like silence parts because there's a few times where nobody's talking so i'm going to try and cut it down a bit but it is creepy like there is no emotion in his voice at all so yes take a listen to this essex place emergency hi there um okay uh hello um i need police and a forensic team to my address, please. What do you mean? What's happened? My friend and I got into an altercation and I'm the only one who came out alive. Are you telling me you've killed somebody? Yes, I am. Right, and who am I speaking to? My name is Lewis Baines. I'm 18 years old and I live... Right, okay. And what's actually happened? My friend came to stay the night with me yesterday, feeling very down, feeling suicidal. And I woke up this morning, he was in a mess. I tried to calm him down. I hugged him and said that I was there for him. He grabbed, he, he shrugged me off. Can you, can you just bear with me a second? Don't tell me any more, okay? Yeah. You're telling me he is definitely dead. I'm tell, yes, I'm telling you he's definitely dead. Bear with me a second. Right, okay, Lewis, I need you to just take me back through that again. So what happened last night? Okay. He came to stay with me because he was feeling down. I tried What's my his best. name? Breck. B-R-E-C-K. Bednar. B-E-D-N-E-R. Sorry, uh, B-R-E-C-K. Breck. Yes. And then his surname is? Bednar. B-E-D-N-E-R. Okay, so he came to stay with you. I can explain this to the officers when they I, I will just, I need to take these initial I, details. I know, I know. I, he came to stay with me the night. I did my best to comfort him. I woke up this morning. He was in a mess. I tried again. Right, just slow down again, Lewis. I need to take these details. So did you have an argument with him last night? No, we were fine. You were fighting? No, no, we were fine. We were fine last night. We both went to sleep. I said that we were fine. Okay, but what, why did he come to stay with you? Because he was fed up with his home life. Right, because he was fed up with his home he's life. Got, look, he's had a lot of problems. I've known him for a long time. He came to stay with me. I was in Thailand last week on holiday. He was in Spain on right, holiday. Right, okay, okay, okay. So um, you both went to bed, and then what's happened this morning? I woke up. He was just standing up. He was in a mess hands on his face. I got up, I put my arms around him and I said it was okay. He just shrugged me off and said no. Some, I can't remember exactly what he said. He, he was going on about how he didn't want to go home. He was fed up with his life and he didn't want to go. Right, and okay. He... I have a pen knife on the side of... Sorry, in my room adjacent to my bed. I have a, a, a chest of drawers after shaving the TV and stuff on there, I had a pen knife on there, folded. He picked it up, opened it, and then 
lost control. I slow down. Let me just let me just take those details here. Pen knife on the bedside table. Brett grabbed this. Yeah. What in order to harm himself? No, in order to harm me. He opened it and right. then lost okay. control. To harm and opened it. Um, states he lost control. I, yep. in self-defense, put my left arm up to block him from stabbing me effectively. We struggled. I got him to the ground. He got up. I got the knife. Can okay. you can you not interrupt me with this part? Okay, go on. Okay. This is being recorded anyway, isn't it? Yep. I grabbed the knife and I stabbed him once in the back of the neck, I believe somewhere near the brainstem. He turned around... He tried to carry it on, and I, I think I stumbled on my chest of drawers. I fell over. I got back up, backed away, and then I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but the fight ended with me cutting his throat. I believe I turned around and I slashed his throat. Right. He, fell, he fell face first on my bed. I tried to stop the bleeding. Yep. He fell onto the floor. Yep. I couldn't stop him. His throat was properly cut. And he's still on the floor? Yes. He fell onto the bed face first. I was, tr- I was trying to compress the wound right, at okay. that time. And L- Lewis, are on. you still in the room where Breck is? No. Where are you? Look, this... Don't... Okay, don't interrupt me. Just let me explain this if this is being recorded. I... I didn't know what to do. I felt like... Right, is, is the, the house where you are is where you are and where Brick is, yeah? yeah? But felt, you're, you're in another room, are you? Yes, I felt like taking my own life. I, I, I don't remember what happened after that. All I know is I dropped the knife in my hallway. I stripped down and just sat in the shower. Right, you've left the weapon in the hallway. Yes. And have spent how long sitting in the shower? I, I, I don't know. Look, are, the, are the police on their way? I can hear something. They are, they are. Okay, I'm um, going to go and do my part. Please, thank you for your help. Right, just listen. So, like I said, it's a little bit of a strange one. Obviously, people react to traumas in different ways. I'm not saying they don't. But there was literally, like, no emotion. Like, he had just killed his friend. And he just seemed so calm. So, so calm. So anyway, when officers arrived at Lewis's address, they found Breck unresponsive and paramedics declared him dead at the scene. But the weird thing was he was bound with duct tape and had stab wounds in his neck. And Lewis was obviously arrested and taken into custody on suspicion of murder. Now, when officers searched the flat, they found Lewis had submerged several electronic devices in water in his bathroom, which is a little bit strange. So these included his phone, different sort of hard drives, USB devices, and these were all taken as evidence. They also found a bin bag which contained Breck's clothes, which, again, if you accidentally killed somebody why would you be taking their clothes and putting them in a black bin bag? So during the investigation, police found that Lewis had been in contact with Breck prior to his death and had sent him a message on how to successfully lie to his parents so he could stay at his flat. 
Detectives also learned that prior to the murder, Lewis had bought duct tape, condoms and syringes online. Which, again, doesn't look good for Lewis. It obviously makes it seem like this was premeditated, especially with the duct tape and everything else that you are about to hear. So a post-mortem examination found that Breck had died after his throat was slashed with a knife and there was evidence of sexual activity prior to his death. Now Lewis denied being responsible for Breck's death, telling investigators that Breck had become suicidal and Lewis had attempted to take the penknife from him, which resulted in Breck's death during the struggle, just like he said on the 999 call. But what about these electronic devices? So the devices that were taken from Lewis's flat were found to be encrypted and officers were unable to access the information contained within. And Lewis just refused to give officers the passwords. He was not letting them in whatever they were. But as we can all imagine, they probably weren't very good. And it was during the investigation that previous incidents were discovered in which Lewis had been accused of sexual crimes. So in 2011, he was actually arrested for the attempted rape of another young boy almost three years before he murdered Breck Bednar. He faced five charges, including attempted rape and two of, uh, of engaging sorry, a person in sexual activity without consent. So with this previous um, incident, both Lewis and the alleged assault victim were both 15 years old at the time, and although these offences were reported to the Essex police and were investigated, at the time officers decided not to take any further actions. However, obviously now these crimes were being reinvestigated as part of Breck Bedner's murder. Lewis was set to stand trial at Chelmsford Crown Court on the charge of murder, but he admitted to the offence before the jury was sworn in. So, like I said before, he told the officers during interviews that he had attempted to stop Breck from attacking with a penknife, had a struggle where he stabbed him in the back of the neck near the brainstem, and then decided to cut the victim's throat. I mean... Self-defence, fair enough. If it's the back of the neck, though, that probably would suggest that it wasn't self-defence because, obviously, with self-defence, you would assume it would be on the front of the body if they're, like, coming towards you to attack you or whatever. So, again, it doesn't really make sense, his side of the story. So, this was a huge thing in the media and Lewis was described as the baby-faced killer who looked much younger than 19 as what he was and you know he was kind of known to be a bit of a loner and his neighbours said he was very reclusive rarely saw him go outside and probably because he spent most of his time playing online computer games at his sentencing hearing which was scheduled for january 12th 2015 the court was told by Lewis's lawyer that he suffered from Asperger's syndrome and it had affected his ability to make sound judgments. He also argued there was not enough evidence to prove that the murder had been premeditated, which, to me, not quite sure the duct tape kind of gave it away. And Lewis was given a life sentence for the murder of Breck Bednar and would serve a minimum of 25 years. 
He was described by the prosecution as a, quote, controlling and manipulative individual who carefully planned this crime, end quote. Prosecutor Jenny Hopkins also commented that, quote, the degree of planning and manipulation by Lewis is shocking. When you consider the young ages of the perpetrator and victim, it stands out as one of the most cruel, violent and unusual cases we have dealt with, end quote. Breck's mother, Lorraine, expressed her dissatisfaction with Surrey Police's handling of the case and an internal investigation was launched with the Independent Police Complaints Commission, which conducted a review of certain practices and how shared information is handled. In March 2016, the Bedners filed a lawsuit against Essex and Surrey Police over their handling of the case and accepted an undisclosed settlement in compensation. The Bednar family then set up the Breck Foundation, which aimed to raise awareness of the dangers of online predators with the intention of advocating a responsible use of the internet. Since his incarceration, it is believed that Lewis has made contact with the Bedner family from prison, sending several messages to Breck's sister Chloe on the messaging app Snapchat in February 2018. And I'm not really sure how he's got Snapchat if he's in prison. But one of them read, quote... I know where your brother is buried, I'm going to smash his tombstone, end quote. Which is just, absolutely, just, that just shows how manipulative he is and how he just wants to be in control of this whole situation. The fact that he is in prison for the murder of this young boy and he is still continuing to torment the family is just disgusting. And I think it, um, this was investigated, or I think they tried to investigate this incident, but the family just believed that nothing can be done because of these messages, because they were posted through, obviously, Snapchat's a US company, so it's a bit difficult to do. I'm not really sure how that works, but even so, that is horrific, and I really do feel for the family. Um, but that, yeah, that does conclude today's case. It really is a sad one. He was just 14 years old and this, well, I'd say child, he wasn't really a child. Lewis was old enough to know better. Um, just whether or not you do have Asperger's as what his lawyer said, to me, I don't think that means that it's okay to hurt people like that, especially in the manner that he did it. And me personally, I do think this was premeditated or maybe it's, he tried to, not kidnap him, but take control of him and it got out of hand. Um, the fact that he was stabbed in the neck and his throat was slit, it doesn't seem very self-defense to me. And that is just my opinion. Obviously, you are free to make your own opinion, but I do send so much love and you know, to his family, I cannot imagine how traumatic it must have been for, you know, his siblings, his mother, his dad, everybody involved. It's just terrible. And hopefully Lewis will never get out. So that is all from me today. Thank you very much for listening. And if you are after some more true crime, you can head over to the Prime for Crime TikTok page where I post small snippets of cases and I do still have the serial killer series on. I've not done a bit for a while, need to do some soon. And yeah, please don't forget to like, follow, share, all that jazz. And 
even a nice review is always nice. Um, I really do appreciate it and it helps me out more than you know. So have a good rest of your week and I will see you later for another episode. See you later.